Hello and welcome to another From the Rookery End. Uh, it is Thursday the 12th of November. Um, we uh, Fireworks night is done and uh, we are carrying on with the second quarter, Mike, is it? Yeah, just in case you didn't know where fire, when fireworks day was, we said that's done and dusted, so yeah, don't go and get any fireworks. Yeah, it's moving on quickly, isn't it? Yeah, we, we've done a quarter of it. Um, we are from the Rookery End, uh, and this is one of our our take on life as a Watford fan podcast. My name's John, uh, as you already heard, with me is Mike. Yeah, hello. Uh, Jason. Hello there. Um, oh, cold, Jason. Yeah, can you tell I sound a bit like sort of Sean Dyche's baby brother, I think, if, <laughs> if there is one. And uh, Geordie's with us as well. Hello, and I'd say Jason looks a bit like Sean Dyson's younger brother as well. <laughs> uh, right, so we, we, last podcast we did was on a train uh, on the way back from Stoke-on-Trent. And it was a, uh, a, a, a nice journey home. Unfortunately, Jason, you, you, you couldn't make it along. Uh, but when you were, you were working hard and you, you saw that result come in, what were your, your, initial, your initial thoughts? It was lucky there weren't many people in the office that day because I was letting off a few whoops uh, along the corridors. Um, very happy when I saw the result. And my, my phone obviously was plinging as the uh, goals were going in. And each time I was like, oh, no, oh, 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 we one down. Oh, no, the, the surprise. And then, oh, no, they've equalised. And it was like, oh, hang on, 2-0. It was, yeah, it was very enjoyable to uh, to follow from afar. Yeah, that's always quite a hard thing to do as a Watford fan to follow from afar. Uh, then we had uh, the, the game at, at West Ham. Uh, sorry, we had the game at Vicarage Road when West Ham visited. Or did they? I wasn't quite sure if they actually turned up. It felt like that anyway, didn't it, Jace? It did. Um, obviously, we don't want to get into the usual media trap of uh, talking about how bad West Ham were, uh, how bad West Ham were, because um, we were very good as well. I think I, I tweeted after the game. I didn't want to get too carried away, but we were very, very good. Uh, and I think someone replied back and said he'd heard someone say that was the best they'd ever seen us play. And if you think about it logically, this is only the third season we've been in the, the Premier League as it stands. The quality of the Premier League is probably better than it ever has been than we've been in it before. And the quality of our team is probably the best we've ever had in the Premier League. And that's the best game we've had this season. So, therefore... Okay. Quid, yeah, quid pro quo or whatever. <laughs> that probably is the best performance we've ever seen Watford play. What was different about it? Well, yeah, we 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 won the week before at Stoke, which wasn't. You know, we mentioned the podcast that actually the first half wasn't convincing. But what was what's and all the games we have won games before that. But what what made that one stand out? Well, I think we settled down very quickly. I think West Ham looked good for about ten minutes. They've got a very dangerous player in Payet, who's done very well this season. He had, we had a little glimpse of him in the first 10 minutes, but then we seemed to nullify that threat very quickly. And then we seemed to transition from that very quickly into looking dangerous ourselves. We didn't worry too much about him. We had him under control. Um, we know, well documented now, that Andy Carroll didn't have a very good game at all. Um, so we certainly had him under control. And rather than just then sort of think, OK, we've, we've done that. Let's see what we can grab uh, on the break. We then asserted ourselves, which is something we haven't done as much uh, this season in other games. What I loved about that game is viewed in a, in a little package with the with the Stoke game. They're two decent teams who are made to look pretty poor. Uh, and obviously, as Jace alluded to, people are saying, well, they had an off day, they had an off day. Well, everyone we've beaten has had an off day, as per usual. That's exactly what it was like in 83, 84. That's exactly what's happening now. But if you look at those games as a little parcel... So encouraging as a as a Watford support because we've we've just, we've just dealt with it. Stoke game, we had to get back into it, um, we had to battle. But then West Ham was like the was the full performance, I think. But I was glad glad to get the result because during the game, and I'm probably going to get slated for this, but at certain certain moments, I felt during the game that the atmosphere at the game was a little less. Um, febrile, a little, uh, a little less sort of rabid, a little less um, on the edge as it has been for previous games. Almost as if, and as we can totally be excused for this, but the, us supporters were getting a little bit comfortable as as Premier League football supporters. Um, and I did worry a little bit about that. Are we taking these games for granted? You know, we we beat Stoke away. Now we go on, Jason. Yeah. So I was going to say, actually, when um, when we were two 0 up, and then when once Collins had been sent off, and we were sort of a chance to sit back a bit and relax and, and enjoy it a bit more, I actually felt spoilt. Mm. And uh, obviously, we're all Watford fans of a certain age, and uh, we've been at. And, and let's be honest, we are even Watford pre pot. So we've been in the top forty yeah. clubs in the country. Um, 
for for a very long time. But even then, I was I felt spoiled, and this was really enjoyable to watch. And that we hadn't experienced anything like this as Watford fans ever before. Yeah, so maybe what people are doing is sitting back and actually enjoying it. And I mistook, you know, I just thought what I've enjoyed so far about this season. Every game has been it's felt like a real edge, a good edge, anticipation, enjoyment, and excitement to every game. And I think you're probably you've probably hit the nail on the head there, Jay. So that was the first, probably the first spell, the first game of the season where we could actually sit back and enjoy it and and appreciate what we're watching, appreciate what we've got and enjoying that moment because every game has been, what Watford have done incredibly well, have been in every game, including the game against Leicester, not our, not our greatest performance, but we've been in every single game this, this Premier League season, but that probably that West Ham game was the first time we've been anywhere near close being able to, to sit back and, and enjoy it. So, yeah, fair point. Jordy? I think I think Mike's right. It was enjoyable, and I, but I think as Watford fans, we're all very familiar with being two 0 up and not enjoying it, uh, <laughs> even if it's eighty eight minutes on the clock. Okay, we had we had a, a penchant for throwing away games that lasted for several years, and so the fact that we're in the Premier League and we're two 0 up at home to a team who have England internationals. I mean, everyone's laughing at Andy Carroll, but when when Newcastle went up in the Championship and he was playing for Newcastle, he was he was a very good Championship player, and he's you know, he's done he's paid for England. He had his injuries off, off to field problems. Payet's another example. They have got good players. They've had some good results this season against some established teams. So the fact that we that there is an element of it's not just reacting when you're going to go down uh, in the in the in the in the Premier League. There is also an element of game management. And what we maybe what we saw when we were tuning up was game management and the kind of thing that goaded Collins into arriving so late on Igalo. The game was almost over when he got there. I mean, that was a butchery of a tackle. The ball had so far, had gone, the camera almost didn't catch it. But that came... We have to give credit to Igalo for that as well. I don't think that was just game management. I think it's more than that. I think that spoke volumes about the entire team's performance, in particular Igalo, who'd been making him look stupid for, for most of the afternoon. So I think it's more than just game management. That. But if you look at the move that led to it, it wasn't like the ball went pumped up to Igalo and he got there first. We were passing it through midfield. It got to Igalo, and and West Ham hadn't touched the ball for a, a you know a passage, and that's where the anger came from. And Collins probably thought, well, I can take him out in the middle of the pitch, and then I'll get a yellow card. And the referee saw right through it and said, no, mate, off you go. And uh, and it is testament to to how we play. And and I think another thing that was nice about it, and obviously those of us that went to Stoke, uh, and also you know the first half of Leicester, which I think I, t- I tweeted. At the time, that's four consecutive halves that we've been the better team with the West Ham game in the middle. When you come up and you play against the... And we saw against Man City, you go there and you defend for your life. When you're playing against the teams you should be beating, you go and try and beat them. What do you do against the Stokes, the Leicesters and the Crystal Palaces and the West Hams who are neither going to win the league or get relegated? And the fact that against those teams, we've put together four halves where we haven't said, well, we're going to sit back and try and squeak a, a nil-nil like we did earlier in the season. We're going to go for it. I think that is showing the evolution of the team, uh, and so yes, we can get comfortable, but we and we can enjoy it. But the, this the, this is a work in progress. Collins had a bad day against us, as few other West Ham fans, West West Ham players have been told they had. And the next game after that, away at Leicester, one man didn't have his best day in a Watford shirt. No, I think we all know exactly what we're talking about. Aurelio had a bit of a, a bit of a shocker, and I'm going to say from the get-go, I'm not bothered about it in the slightest. I think if you show me a goalkeeper who doesn't make a single mistake all season, then you'll show me a fibber. You know, there's no such thing. Everyone makes mistakes. He had his that afternoon, absolutely fine. There's a couple of people afterwards saying, "I hope he gets over it quickly," because you know, I think someone, I think it might have been Matt in on. Uh, anyway, someone said he looked a bit haunted on his on his interview afterwards. I don't think that's the case. I hope it's not. Um, but in particular, in our in our household, the we were the kids in particular took it took it really hard. Um, they were really worried because they they saw the goal and they're like, "Oh my goodness gracious, he's made a terrible mistake." Why did they do that, Daddy? Why did he do that? <laughs> and then Florence in particular was worried. She was worried that the supporters would be upset, so that me and you and Geordie and Jace would be like cross with him. And she said, "Oh, Daddy, will the will the will the Watford fans be cross, and will the Watford players be upset with him?" <coughs> so she was upset. Basically, she was worried about about our goalie, and uh, so I said, "All right, why don't you sit down, write me a little note explaining what you think?" Um, and she did. Hi, Herodo. I saw you had a difficult day on Saturday, so I wanted to tell you not to worry. 
Sometimes I don't get things right. I get my B's and D's mixed up. But I know, no, it doesn't matter because I am trying my hardest. Sometimes, if something makes me feel sad, I listen to Taylor Swift singing Shake It Off. I think you should too. It will make you feel happy and ready for the next game. You have been brilliant for us and we are very happy you are a Watford player. We love you, Horelio. You are the best. So shake it off and come on, Watford! Shake it off, shake it off. It's gonna be alright. So... I don't know if you know, but I've got a daughter and a son. My son Arlo is a—he's a massive Watford fan. He comes to me with to, to as many games as he can. He's a big match attacks collector, right? Um, which is great for my my wallet, a pound a pop. Um, but he said, "Oh, Daddy, how can he have done that? He's got five stars on match attacks, so he knows all about gamers. He's his, like basically he's his favourite player, so he had to add something as well." By the way, you are my favourite player in match attacks. You've got five stars and you are the best. I love you, Horelio. Good luck against Man United. The weird bit, in fact, looking back at the last podcast we did, I remember asking Andy on the train, do you want Watford to go behind uh, against a a club like this, or especially in this current phase of our development as a, a a team this season? And we went behind, Geordie, for the first time in a... In a long time, we did. Um, and even though you go a goal behind, you're only one behind, so it's not suddenly panic stations. If it's a cup match, or you know, you got to get a point in the last game to stay up, then then things change. But although maybe fans, we, we live in the moment and we kind of get a bit excited. I mean, Kike would have had his plans. He'll anticipate going behind. We're playing against Super Jamie Vardy, who can, <laughs> who can do no wrong, who can stick his fingers up at linesmen and no one even reports on it. You know, Diego Costa treads on a, on a steward's foot and he's, uh, you know, he's a uh, criminal number one. Um, but, you know, for the risk of slipping into Mourinho mode, uh, <laughs> we, did, we did go behind. Um, and I guess the... We don't want to throw the kitchen sink when you go behind after 60-odd minutes because otherwise, you know... You, and I guess what was good is we didn't suddenly panic like we did against Arsenal and let another five in or whatever it was, you know, in the next five minutes. Um, and we had a little glimpse at Plan B, which is, you know, hopefully Andy is now happy that we've seen a bit of Plan B. Um, and we, we almost got back into it. You know, if you look at Leicester, they scored uh, a fluke, really, and a penalty. And we got a penalty, which shows that it wasn't really a game of huge amount of chances. We could have... We could have gone ahead in the first half. Um, uh, Odin hit the post uh, and, and Alman followed, followed up and it was saved. Uh, yeah, we lost to Leicester, but you know, I would rather lose that one and have the playoff moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can be, I, I think I said it before, they can beat us the next 100 years and they will never take that moment from us. So we'd gone behind Jason and we needed a plan B. What did we get? We got Paredes. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I think... <laughs> Paredes came on for Capu, so I think that would have surprised a lot of people. So, yes, it's surprising. So, yes, that we can say that's definitely a plan B because that's not the norm. Um, and obviously that's bringing on uh, a player who's going to give you a lot more width than Capu would. Okay, So, Capu, obviously, very much a central midfielder. Paredes, wide player. And a lot of people would have said, sort of, Bruno, what are you doing that for? Capu, obviously, has been brilliant this season for he, us. He wasn't on that game, though, was he? He didn't have a great game no. against Leicester. So, whether that, that change was born more out of... Um, Kapu having not as big an impact as we've been used to, as opposed to a, a pre-sort of determined tactical switch. I don't, mm. I don't know, but yeah, you're right. He was obviously brought on to, to be more width, but important to point out that Kapu didn't have a great game as well. I think. Mm. And also, and then obviously Paredes went on and uh, and won the penalty that, that sort of gave us a foothold back in the game. Tactical genius from uh, Kiko there, Absolutely. evidently. The other thing about bringing Paredes on for Kapu is it's obviously not like for like. So it isn't just, well, let's try and keep the same thing. We, it is actually a plan B. And while if you're um, if you're trying to defend a game, seeing uh, Juan Carlos Paredes come on might not fill you with fear. What it does is, obviously, going back to previous podcasts, it does allow us to free up Ikechi. Uh, so it is about changing the shape of the team rather than just going gung-ho. The second substitution, and only the second one, he didn't use all three, was taking off... Nyom and putting on a hairstylist. Um, yes, the hairstylist <laughs> Diamante. Yeah. Um, he of the didn't wear his bib 
in his first ever game warming up because he knew he wanted to come on in his way of telling <laughs> the manager look I'm coming on boss I haven't got my bib on um, and yeah the the obvious thing there is that you're taking off a defender bringing on an attacker um, late on late on but yeah you're going to do that aren't you? There's a, as opposed to the Boothroyd style of late on trying to get a goal which is put your centre back up front this was take a defender off bring a striker on but obviously the first time he used Diamante we, he played him as a sort of more of a wide role uh, sort of attacking out to win as they like to say and I don't know did that come across at Leicester yeah, I mean uh, you know, Diamante came, like I said we came on late and I'm wondering you know, we were talking a minute ago about Paredes for Capu and then suddenly Neom goes off I'm wondering if the plan was to bring him was actually Paredes for Neom and Diamante for Capu but Diamante had to kind of get his look right and it took an extra five minutes <laughs> before he came on you know, had to get his look right he's yeah. taking more than five minutes to get his look right he looks like a cross between the hairstylist is doing him a favour he looks like he's he looks like he works for he looks like he works for a bin man but he's oh he looks in absolute state that's the look yeah. give it give it give it 18 months and you won't be able to walk down Watford High Street without seeing 14 year olds looking like Diamante when I, say, when I say bin man I don't mean bin man I mean he lives in a bin man <laughs> Oscar the Grouch <laughs> but I think, I think it's interesting having this conversation and uh, we're obviously making light of it but both those changes don't don't scream this is going to change the game and going to get us back into it. There's not an obvious way back into the game with either of those substitutions for whatever reason they, they came about. And whilst I was disappointed with some of the negative reaction by some Watford supporters in, you know, on, on the local radio and on, on social media, and so I think the reaction from some was, was poor. But I think there is the kernel of a point in there. How do we have a more obvious... There has to be a more obvious way of changing the game when you're behind than Juan Carlos Paredes and... Uh, Diamante so we're lacking something and we aren't that far away from a window opening if those of you uh, who uh, follow uh, WD Sport uh, with Kevin Affleck uh, they, he has on oh, a couple of occasions Mike now yeah. talked about a certain player I think he's been he hasn't been shy about, about broaching the subject of a ex-Monaco Real Madrid Tottenham Manchester City Arsenal player Manuel Adebayor, uh, and uh, we thought we'd get Kevin a, a give him a call uh, and find out what he thought and what he knows uh, about it. And we had to sort of start uh, asking Kevin if he really thought there was any substance in this rumour. Absolutely, it is yes. Um, spoken to numerous sources at the club, some high ranking, some not so high ranking, um, and. The interest is is real. Um, but when I say real, you you won't find anybody um, who will rule it out, which is surprising with it because I remember back in the uh, previous Premier, Premier League campaign, I should say in oh six oh seven, when they were desperately on the hunt mm. for strikers, when Marlon went down, you'd throw names at, at sources then, and they'd say no, 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 no chance, we're not in for them. But and and, and people have done it this season as well um, when I've thrown names at them, but this one they they just won't won't rule it out, which is, I think, an encouraging sign. So do, do, as a journalist, you, you, ask, you, you, know, you, you ask questions. Do you, so do you either get a, a, a no, and it feels like a no, as in you go up to a really good-looking girl at a, 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 a nightclub and she goes, no chance, mate. Um, well, you're, or, suggest, you're suggesting that Kevin gets turned down in nightclubs? No, 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 I'm just taking an example. Look, we've all been turned down. We've all been turned down. Maybe we're not in our... Well, we our haven't, have we, Mike? No, absolutely <laughs> not, mate. Fix yourself, John. Oh, all right, whatever. Uh, so, um, but then when you say isn't, they sort of go, or they, it's still a possibility. Do they go, well, um, 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 uh, what is it? What was it? They, they sort of... How, how does how you, what kind of reaction do you get from like not just a f- football club but from anyone involved? Yeah, probably. What I first like to do is is, is I like to see if the, the transfer makes sense from my point of view. I'd I'd like to and know if the transfer stacks up. So I'm just trying to think of, of, of one that wouldn't stack up in the summer. Um, so if if they're in the market, the Balotelli one was classic, absolute classic. You know, there's absolutely nothing in that because wages is. Um, personality, um, how we fit into Watford. So you, you don't even really go to your source on that one because there's, it's just a waste of their time and yours, really. But other, more others, you, you would go to sources and other, I'd liken it to a, a traffic light system, really. Normally, they would just say point blank, no, or 
they would say, look, there's, there's a little bit of interest, which would obviously be your amber signal. And then the green one, they would normally say, um, look, I'm not going to tell you no, but I can't tell you yes, because particularly with this recruitment team, they don't like these rumours getting out because it feels they feel it would scupper a deal and others would be alerted to their availability and then it would drive the price up. They would potentially lose the player. Um, a good example of that is Arami. They were absolutely thrilled to get that one over the line because I don't think he was linked with the club at all and they just did it behind the scenes quietly. They were not sort of kind of dragged into a, um, uh, what do you call it, an auction and, and they did the deal, got it done and they were absolutely thrilled with that one. That's it. It's interesting you say that, Kevin, because they, they obviously haven't flatly denied it, which is sounds like code for th- there's definitely something in it. I think we can we can establish that you're fairly convinced that there's some interest. Does the fact that they're not they're not trying to be as covert with this one does that sort of sound alarm bells in itself? Because other other clubs aren't necessarily going to be interested. Um, do you see what I'm getting say, at? When you say, yeah, when you say alarm bells, you mean. That the reasons you just said they like this this recruitment team like to like to keep uh, keep their dealing sort of under under the radar until the very last minute that obviously isn't the case this time because they're not playing they're not playing it with it with such a straight bat they're, they're no, obviously... because I think, I think his agent's doing exactly what his agent should be doing and he's clearly got um high-ranking journalists at certain newspapers and that he's kind of peddling it out that he's available and and that Watford would be a good option for him. But then other scouts and managers and fans read this and think, well, if I, didn't, I didn't think he was available. Well, if he can go to Watford, then why can't he come to, come to us? I, I, I certainly think there's, there's significant interest in him. Um, the people I've spoken to said Galatasaray are really keen on him. Um, he's got options in the uh, MLS. Um, and I think that some of the other teams in the um, Premier League would certainly take him because goal scores are, are worth their weight in gold. So particularly when you come to January and those teams near the bottom struggling for a goal scorer, the carrot of the 100 million TV deal, I think that's what it's worth at the, at the last count. Yeah. There'll, there'll be, I think there'll be clubs queuing up to sign him. I think he'll be the real story of the, of the January transfer window. So with that in mind, Kevin, at this stage, what would you say Watford's chances are of, of, of getting his signature? Well, I think if they, if the deal's structured right, I think they're in the. I think they're in the driving seat. What's, I really what, do. what's a right structured deal? Do you think is it on the right for the Watford, or is it a right for him, or do well, you, I, you I think, know more about that than, than we do? What would be a right yeah. deal? The well, the the Gino Pozzo and, and Scott Duxbury, who are the, are the, are the deal makers, very much like deals to be um, incentivised. They're weighted towards bonuses and appearances and, and goals. So that's that's the way majority of the deals at, at Vicarage Road are structured. Now, there'll be that'd be no different with Adebayor, and they would be wise to do anything other than incentivise a deal with Adebayor because you need to give him that carrot. He needs to be hungry. He needs to have a point to prove. Um, so I think I think Watford hold the aces, particularly as it's. When Gino, when Gino's selling the club to prospective targets, he likes to tell them it's in London, whereas other times he's quite happy for it to be a leafy, leafy club in Hertfordshire. So it's, so it's in London. He's, I wouldn't say his best friend, but a certainly very close friend. Kapu is there. It's in the Premier League. And Watford, probably put the gifts of death on it now, and I'm touching wood here, they don't look like they're going to be embroiled in a real dogfight at the bottom. I'm not saying it's going to be a cakewalk to safety. But at this stage, it doesn't look like they're going to be in a real dogfight. So I think it's a real attractive proposition for Adebayo. So that's that's his point of view. He's obviously going to get some some attractive offers on the table. You, you suspect if Galatasaray came in, there'd be big money there and so on and so forth. I think we can we can safely assume that, that Adebayo is going to be OK, whatever he ends up doing. Um, so I guess, really, as supporters, we need to start worrying about about Watford and the football club. And what are, what are the threats to to us as a football club for by signing someone like Emmanuel Adebayor? Yeah, very very inflammatory language there, Mike. Um, you sound like saying worried and and and, and threats. Critical, a, a nervous of... friend, maybe, uh, Kevin. Yes, I'm um, a bit jittery. I mean, getting getting old, mate. You know how it is. <laughs> um, I, I I just can't. I think a lot of it is is is. Media hype and a lot of people 
a lot of people love the phrase, well, they say he's trouble and they say he's problem. Well, for start, who's they? And, and I don't think you actually know until you've trained with him, until you've met him. And without a massive name drop here, I don't know whether you've got a jingle for a name drop, but I've, <laughs> I've spoken to uh, Jonan Lescott and Michael Richards when I was at a Man City Awards dinner. And they said it's just, um, there's a real stereotype around him and he's nothing like the stereotype out there. And, and again, there's the same with Tom Carroll, who's a Watford lad. He's at Spurs. I've spoken to him about Adebayor. Um, and then I spoke to some people at, at Tottenham this week just to just to stack up what I was going to write for this this comment piece, which hopefully your listeners have, have seen on our website. And, and the, the, I don't think I don't think he's an angel, but I, I'm not sure too many footballers are angels. And Watford have certainly got their I think Watford have got their quota of players at the minute who are who are no angels, but. I just can't see them being allowed to disrupt what Kike and, and Troy Deeney have fostered down there. So last word then, um, come at the end of January, will Adebayo be a Watford player, yes or no? Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> um, would I like to see him as a Watford player? Absolutely. I think it's a no-brainer. Will it happen? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. But I, I just think when you look at the bench at Leicester and when we went 2-0 down, you think, Who's going to come on here and, and really help change the game? Um, I've just looked down at the fixture list. I think we've got Sunderland is it on the last day. Yeah. If it's if it gets to that point and it's one nil down and we need a point to stay up and who who would who would you rather come off off the bench, um, Adibayo or Diamante? So it doesn't seem to be an outlandishly stupid Twitter idea, according to Kevin's uh, sources. Jason, if we if we did happen to sign Adebayor, what would he what would he do for us? Well, we've already talked in the podcast about a plan B, and I think it definitely brings something different to the to the forward line because um, our forward line at the moment is very much uh, a pair of guys that are greater than the sum of their parts. Um, they are very much a partnership, and if one has an off day, like we saw against Palace, for example, then the, we need something different up front because. One of those on their own won't work. Um, whereas Adebayor will. He's strong. He's a big lad. He can hold the ball up well. Um, holding the ball up well from users as a, as a reference for a striker that's shit, but I don't think he is. So, so that's not that's not derogatory in any way. And he's got Premiership experience and Premiership nous, which the other guys at the moment are still learning. And he's, and he's got proper Premiership. Now, oh, yeah, not absolutely. not. Oh, we played a season at West Brom. No, no proper Premiership now. I think, yeah, I think you probably don't get Premiership now by playing a season at, at West Brom. Um, Dick fellas, one of the recently departed. Don't want to say anything. Cover your ears, Matty. Hearing me, that's a bit harsh. Although, uh, yeah, although everyone at the um, at the fans forum fairly damning in uh, about him. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Carry on. So, yeah, so Apart from head of his fan club, who was there. And I was labouring, and I think Scott Duxbury almost rang up Reading to recall him just to get a bit of peace and quiet. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting fans for him from uh, from certain points of of, uh, of a discussion that came up. Yeah, um, and he's a, he's almost a sort of a complete striker, isn't he? I think he's he's good in the air. He's good with his feet. Um, so with his strength, he can run. He can take defenders on. He, he's no sort of slouch. Although now at thirty two. Mm-hmm. He's getting on a bit in his footballing career, uh, and the fact that he hasn't had played any sort of competitive football for a while might mean that he's lost a bit of that pace and a bit of that touch. But um, uh, uh, he is training with the club, isn't he? I think that's. Uh, I don't know. Is the, honest, is the honest answer? But I think uh, I wonder if the fact that he hasn't played for a while, we've seen that his sort of career arc has followed a, a similar trajectory. He starts off incredibly well, and then something seems to happen. Or seems to happen. That's and that's just what it feels like. I don't follow his career very, very closely, but I wonder whether he, if he's got the opportunity to play in the Premier League, he'll want to take the opportunity. He'll want to score goals. He'll probably want to prove a couple of people wrong. Um, and I think ultimately, it's it comes down to can he do something for Watford? Can he score goals? Yes, I think that, I don't think there's any doubt about that. We've we've said that he's absolutely he's Premier League quality. Um, so. Is there a gamble? What's the what's the downside? What's the what, what's the worst that can happen? Is he the uh, is he the only? Would, would he would he cover all our, our problems? Do you think, Jordy? 
I don't think there's anyone to cover. Well, problems. What problems? <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. True, true. Yeah. Options. Yeah. Our options. Yeah, a little leading question trying to get me to say we've got problems. I think I think we've got um we've got solutions in uh, in Troy and Odium, but it's what can we do with those two things, those two players, and supplementing them with Diamante pushing the catchy further forward. I think Adbayor is um he's not we're not a stepping stone for him. He's he's got nothing to prove. He's not gonna he hasn't worked his way up through all those clubs in the hope of getting a chance to play for Watford. You know, he 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 brings something to us and he brings something immediate. And if you look at the signings we've made in the summer, Baramis, Gerardos and stuff, they're not players who are for two or three seasons time like Lari might be. They're players who are at the peak of their powers or beginning to not begin to wane, but will be waning in the next couple of years. I'll put Adebayor in that. But there's a job to do and that's stay up. And so the old kind of Pozzo model of bring him in young, you know, chuck enough of them at it and some of them will work, some won't, has changed for this season because the objective is staying up. And I think Adebayor is one of very few players who will add to our squad who is within reach budget-wise and realistic-wise because anyone else would come from abroad and you have to then wait for them to settle. We know he can do the business in the Premier League. I think the the guys at the um, at the at your place the the fans forum event last week alluded to this. They said, regardless of not or not whether Adebayor signs, the fact of the matter is that we're linked seriously with these with these players. And and the way that Kike put it was that players are actively wanting to come to us, and and that shows the stature um, that Watford now have within the game. And that I think obviously when when you're without a club, sort of any port in a storm kind of thing to a degree, but. You know, unless he thought it was a serious option and something that was going to deliver what he wanted, why, why would you want to come to Watford? So I think that's that's a really important distinction to make. That all of a sudden we're in a situation where you know, obviously he has there's negative connotations. How real they are is, is open to debate. But so we're never going to attract Bale, Ronaldo, or those guys. But the fact that we are attracting these these sort of caliber of players unquestionably talented um, is, is is cause for to take stock and realise exactly how far we've come. It does frustrate I think looking at Bournemouth, I hate to bring them up again, I think it's the, the Daily Bournemouth the Weekly Bournemouth, whatever you call it, but you know they talk about, um, and it's not their supporters so much, but a, a, a fellow podcast of Football Ramble, they're saying oh poor Bournemouth they're, they're missing three key players and I think they'd have been in with a much better shout well those three key players are Callum Wilson who alright has scored a hat-trick in the Premier League but is as yet unproven. Tyrone Mings, who cost a fortune but has never played a Premier League game, and Max Gradle, who's no one else was after him. So you look at those players, and then you look at people like Emmanuel Adebayor. Which one of those is going to have a difference of your season, do you, do you think? And I think it's Adebayor, and it's not about Watford v Bournemouth, it's about our stature as a club, where we are now, and that's probably the most exciting thing about this, this potential transfer. My thing about him is it's the January window. And that's a very different. The, the, the August to January is very different. And actually, could we get a player, not him or very much like him, the sort of ready to go Premier League experience? I don't know who the others would be, um, and get them on a really short term contract because he knows any club who comes in for me now in January is going to be pretty desperate. They're buying me to fill a gap. I want my next club to be my final club. And I want to make sure that I go there and have a good th- few years there that's going to finish off my career. And I don't want to be rushed into joining a club just for money. I'm sure he's got a fair bit of money over the years of playing at the level he has. So it'd be interesting to know if, if we get someone like him on a shorter term contract, that is that sort of or heavily incentivised for, for promotion, that he might actually come to Watford. Because at this point, as Kevin sort of hinted towards, we're, we aren't... Uh, a struggling Premier League club. He could come in and not ruin his career by seen as going down with Watford or being picked up by Watford just to survive. I think if we get him, we can be reassured because if we get him, uh, it won't be Scott and Gino and Luke Dowling relying on rumours and, and, and reading Twitter. You know, Kevin's alluded to people he's got in the game who he talks to. These guys at Watford will have many more. So if we sign him, he'll have passed the important test. And secondly, if we sign him, he'll have passed another test, which is that he's interested. Because if, if imagine Adebayor and his agent turning up at, uh, you know, at the Grove or something, just talk to the, the Watford management team, and they're saying, well, um, you know, Manuel, we're going to give you a, an incentivised contract, you know, this, this condition, that condition, that other condition. 
And then he goes into another room and there's a guy in flowing robes and says, Emmanuel, you ever seen a unicorn? You, uh, because you'll see one every morning when you wake up from this palace I'm about to give you. If you come to live in tax-free Qatar, because uh, we've got to buy credibility. And basically, you know, if, 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 if he comes to Watford, he's not going to be a guy who hasn't got options outside of the Premier League. So if he comes, it's not only an indication of his desire um, and the fact that he's been put through the, uh, through the test at Watford. You know, and the Pozzo's have got plenty of experience at, at judging players' temperament. I don't think we've got too much to worry about. Uh, but I, I, I think we need to we need to trust in the management, uh, and we need to be a little, little less quick to judge because I know you know like we were saying we got a bit comfy in the second half at West Ham, thinking that we were, we'd made it as a Premier League team. Like I said before, he hasn't worked his way up to come to Watford. We, you know we're not we're not the culmination of his career, and we need to maybe be a bit more realistic because we haven't got many players that we could get who are going to come in and score goals in the Premier League, and we know we can defend. Goal scoring, and if Troy and Odin get injured or suspended or just tired, um, we need we need an option that is a bit better than what we currently got. All I was going to say is that he nearly called him Emmanuel Abadiol there. I think we now know where Flo gets it from when she mix up <laughs> her B's and her D's. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. It's international uh, break week where we get a weekend away and uh, things to do list sort of goes up quite a lot from the uh, wives and girlfriends. Uh, mine is stupidly long this weekend. Uh, you need something to, to, to fill your weekend. There's no football on. There's nothing to watch. So you might end up watching The X Factor. I don't know, Mike. Do you, are you been following The X Factor? I'm catching up on Breaking Bad. <laughs> okay. Um, you might have missed then uh, a certain Watford player uh, performing and doing all right. Always believe in your soul. You got the power to know you're indestructible. Always believe in this week last week was such an amazing kind of bang it's like wow it didn't go anywhere it just was i don't know if it was the song putting it on paper shouldn't have worked but for me vocally i have to say i think that's one of your best because last week i thought you were kind of like very aware of what the reaction was going to be like i like the fact you're dressing like me <laughs> um the audience got behind you this week and i'm really happy it's best it's been a week it's been practicing all week so i'm very proud hope you're up to I think he'd go the whole way in the X Factor it's all a the way. for me, pet. <laughs> but I think Rita Ora, listen to Rita Ora says in that clip, it, she does know exactly how he performed uh, against uh, Leicester compared to the, the, the West Ham game. She's clearly a Watford, uh, a Watford fan and, and, and following our progress this season. Um, but that's, that's a chant that has come out for an individual player over the last year. Um, uh, I'm trying to think some other ones. I mean, Troy's got his... Troy Deeney, Watford's number nine and... Ikechi was quite clever because he, when he came over, he was a winger, so he got a chant, and now he's moved back to fullback. He's kept it, but the kind of thing that I guess foot, strike everyone wants to be a striker. They're the ones that get the money, the ones that get the headlines, the ones that get the huge transfer fees. But you know, when Mike's kids can't be heard at the game to cheer up Aurelio when he's made a mistake, or uh, you know, Cathcart, who's well, never puts a foot wrong, but if he did, it, when a striker misses a chance, you can sing Troy Deeney's "What Was Number Nine or sing Igalo, and it gives them a boost. But we don't have any chance for really for the defenders or you know for you know, Ben Watson, people like that who kind of do the nitty gritty of it. And I know there was a bit of it, you know, super Benny Watson, but we can do better. You know what I mean? He deserves better than that. Are you challenging uh, the listeners from the rookery end to uh, get their creative hats on and come up with some chants uh, that we can play on the next podcast? Uh, that will be uh, for the the defenders slash midfielders to, to to get them going. Yeah, that's your challenge. Can I, can I can I can I set a benchmark? I just I don't know oh, where, where this has come from, but I'm uh, just thinking. Are you talking about defenders? <laughs> and this one, I'm looking at Mike for this one because Metallica favourite oh, band nice. of his. And obviously, Joel Ekstrand's out injured at the moment. Probably gonna to get back to fitness. Will probably be shipped off to some championship club. So you could have like something QPR. along the likes of yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to sing because my voice is knackered as it is. 
but along the lines of he's a light here tonight Joel X Strand off to Never Neverland <laughs> very good I like Does it that work? anything uh, anything Metallica based uh, gives me a thumbs up um, yeah my challenge is I'm off to see um, Slayer at the end of this month <laughs> Sorry, I can't help you. So that's sort of up a notch from uh, up a notch from Metallica, obviously. But uh, if I can find, I'm going to try and I'm going to get a yeah. I'll set a song to Slayer. Okay. Next podcast. Good luck with that one. Any ideas you got? Get in contact. Uh, Twitter at What for Podcast or drop us an email if it's got many words. Um, uh, but do do, do you know start with the song it's about rather than give me. Write the, I hate it when people put put it on uh, on Twitter. They they write the lyrics and then they tell you the song. And you have to go back and read it again. You want to know what the song is? Get in your oh, head, yeah, the tune, and then tell us the, the lyrics. John's very, very busy. He hasn't got ten <laughs> seconds to waste reading a tweet twice. But it brings Poor us alive, better. Dearie me, if anyone, if any of you can be bothered to respond to this, you can do it in whatever order you like. Don't take any notice of John. Thank you for listening and thank you for taking part. Is what we actually mean, isn't it, John? It is. Um, but the the the, the uh, Fernando um, Kike Sanchez Flores chant. Is another new one that's really taken off, Jordy. Yeah, it has. Um, and I think I need to kind of preface what I'm going to say now with, uh, you know, if, if Gino and Scott want to look back and in a, in a, in a you know, they talk about an elevator pitch where they talk about, you know, in a nutshell what they've done. Perhaps the, what I'm about to talk about is their elevator pitch. So they've taken a club that was at risk of administration uh, a few years ago into the Premier League. And now we're discussing... The, the the how how well we're executing the song that we sing our <laughs> former Spanish international Real Madrid fullback uh, European trophy winning manager so that's that's it yeah but my wife's Spanish um, and obviously the song that uh, we sing for, for for Kike is one that was on a YouTube clip from the Atletico Madrid fans and uh, every time she comes to the Vic sits next to me she kind of doesn't join in and holds her head in her hands because she's upset that we're not getting the melody right. What, what what do you mean? Well, I'm not going to sing because I haven't got a cold like Jason. But <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, a club that, you know, obviously kick his family are entertainers in Spain. You know, he's not just one, but the whole family, his aunt, her husband, his cousins, they're all entertainers uh, or, or, you know, big, big, big people in, in, in that industry. We've got Elton John. I think I think Watford can't just get away with um, naff chance or not executing them properly and and so you know we can play the clip that uh that this, this is the original that this that the the chant has come from The song's called um, Carnaval Te Quiero, um, and Carnaval Te Quiero means Carnival I Love You, so it's a kind of a, a, a dance one. Why she put her head in her hands? Well, if you, haven't, you, know, if you listen to the song uh, in its original version, which is quite catchy, so you've probably listened to it two or three times, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and maybe even said it as your ringtone, um, the, the laws aren't monotonous, they aren't the same note, okay. um, and obviously we, part of the bit we sing, Lola Law has lyrics in Spanish, which is just Carnaval, Carnaval. But it's not the same note, and we and sometimes we, some people sing five laws at the beginning. Some people do six, and it's supposed to be six because it's th- three twice carnaval, which is a three-syllable word. And and she just gets annoyed that if we're going to do a song that she recognises, <laughs> that, that it doesn't sound anything like the song she recognises because it's just people. There we go. We're, we're definitely, if we didn't know we were in the Premier League, we know we're now. We're singing a Spanish uh, pop song incorrectly on the terraces. That's, uh, if that's not a Premier League faux pas, I don't know what is. <laughs> but, but we know, but Mercedes needs to, to feel happy when she comes to the, uh, to the Vic. It's important that she, she, she has this song sung properly, and, and surely we should raise our standards in every aspect well, of this football club. I think we should invite her on to uh, lead us in a chorus for the next <laughs> podcast. Well, I was going to say, you know, a, a, a lot of uh, European clubs that have a leader at the front of the stand with a megaphone yeah. and I think you should uh, ask Mercedes to come down and, and give her a megaphone and she can lead oh, the uh, oh, song Kike Sanchez Flores so we need to so the, the, it's hashtag six lols <laughs> that's what we need to make sure that message gets out there it's like what Mark Kermode says on the movie podcast <laughs> six, six laugh test
Oh, lol, as in lot, not LOL. <laughs> uh, let's, let's look at the, the next month. We're probably going to do a podcast um, around the Norwich City game. Uh, we've got Manchester United next. Then we've got Aston Villa away and then Norwich at home. We've got a big dog. We've got a struggler. And then we've got uh, someone who came up with us. What are we expecting between in those three games, Mike? I'm expecting us to carry on as as we've begun. And, and I don't, we've set the bar very, very high. And now there's no excuse. We've shown that we're kind of we're exponentially seem to be getting better. I said uh, said all along we're in we're in games every week, and I don't expect that to be any different in any of those three games, including the game against Manchester United. I think they're obviously still a massive draw. It's still obviously going to be a massive challenge when you look at the squad, talented players all over the pitch, but they are struggling to score. They're not looking creative going forward, which on paper should suit us we know how to soak up pressure we know how to sit back and invite it on and 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 deal with it so there's no reason that we can't go into into Manchester United um, full of confidence I think the start to the season allows us to do that even more so we've 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 got points on the board where we where we wanted to I think I said at the start of the season we had to get points on the board early Um, we've done it and so we can go and have a swing at Man United without without worrying about it um, I think it'll be like the Arsenal game where the, the intensity will be back amongst the supporters because everyone knows a Man United fan. My father-in-law's a Man United supporter. There's loads of them at, at, at your college, at your school, at work. So well, that, this is one of the Premier League games that we've been looking forward to as supporters, whether we admit it or not. And I think we're in with a chance. Jason, the, 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 the Watford fans will say, Villa away, that's got to be a win because they're rubbish this year. Except, of course, now, new manager syndrome, um, which usually means they'll be a little bit better um but we'll be yeah it'll be uh an an interesting measure again i think um we don't know a great deal about remy guard he's obviously uh, done well in france um well enough to to secure the job interesting that he'd want that job because they don't look a very sort of attractive club to manage at the moment they are still full of youngsters so what we've got to hope for I think is that for them to have an off day perhaps they're still a little bit nervous um, facing us and if we can play well enough that they get their home fans on their back early on then we're probably with a good chance of getting a result aren't we? I think it's a, it's a classic one though that of where the pressure is actually on us I talked about Man United and we can go and have a pop at them without really worrying if we if we come up a bit short because um, Mike Lawrence will have us down for a loss. You know We're not expected to win that game, whereas Villa, all of a sudden, they're down there. We want to keep them down there. They've got five points as we record this. So Villa, there is actually pressure on us as well as um, whether Aston Villa. I think it is one where the fans can turn quickly because they will view Watford as a game they should and could win. Um, so whilst it's an opportunity... It will be fascinating, and that'll be that'll be a nervy one because they're bottom of the league, and if we're going to stay up, they you know we we will as what fans will expect to do well. Norwich, I can't say it properly. Norwich, uh, what what is that going to be? Another one of these things where fans are going, we've, we've got to win it, we've got to win it. Yeah, um, probably because we're at home, and you know you'd expect, but that's we get angry when teams say they should be beating Watford, and Norwich fans will be just as angry. Uh, teams expected to beat Norwich. You know, they're they're where they are on merit. They have haven't started too badly. Um, you know, all three of the um, promoted sides. You know, obviously Bournemouth had their issues with injuries. Although, as Mike said earlier, n- not established Premiership players, but they're struggling. Norwich should expect us to get something out of. He'd want us to, um, if nothing else, for revenge for last season, um, because they gave us a couple of spankings and they kind of perhaps um, didn't deserve some decisions that went in their favour. Um, really. Don't remember those in the slightest. Yeah, I think I think um, I think what's what's good now is that we've kind of done a bit more work on the stadium. So there's strong gusts of wind that blow <laughs> <laughs> that blew Wes Hulan over, uh, and less likely to be a problem. But you know, the three of the games, you know, like Jason was alluding to, hopefully Villa is a dead cat bounce, and they've had a good result against Man City. But Guard can't come in and work miracles with the players that uh, were left behind by Sherwood. And we were talking about Adebayor, and is he a risk? Um, and Man United got Marshall, and if you drop fifty odd million pound on a teenager, that's a risk. You know, this is the world we're living in now. So, uh, but going back to Norwich, I think it's almost like we were talking about at the start of the season. There are certain games that you you don't want to give any more to the opposition than you come than you come away with. So, a draw at very worst, 
but at no no way can we be letting Norwich walk away with three points from Vicarage Road. Especially as after this little clutch of games, we've got a clutch of very difficult games. So that does heap the pressure on. But I think every game in this league is is pressurised. I think we've we felt that, and Watford have dealt with it well so far. These are real key performance. These are real key games for us. I think there's no way that Watford will take Villa or Norwich lightly. Um, you know, Watford, this, this sort, of, this squad is the this team. It just feels like it's set up 100% correctly. And you know, I hate it when people say we take each game as it comes, but cliches are cliches because they're true. And I feel that Watford have got that down so well. They feel so professional. They feel so well oiled, uh, so so well focused that. For that, I just feel bizarrely. I feel the most confident I've ever felt in a Watford side, mm. almost ever. And for me to say that is it's huge. It's, it's <laughs> remarkable. Yeah. Um, so I'm just carrying on being exciting. And the great thing is that this season is turning out so far as we sit here tonight. It's turning out to be everything we hoped it would be. We've had little blips, and we'll have so many more, no doubt about it. We got thumped by Arsenal. Aurelio's had a little, uh, a little mistake. Um, we lost a, pe- a penalty against, but you know, there's been little bits and bobs that haven't gone our way. But largely speaking, everyone's got the massive smiles on their face, and it's going exactly as we hoped it was. There's no reason to think that that won't continue. Bring it on. Well, we hope to do more podcasts this year, uh, not just uh, us doing what we did in this podcast, it's chatting to each other about how the game's going, what we think about what's going on on the pitch. We also try and do some uh, shorts, uh, which are, of course, shorter than these podcasts, uh, and we're trying to get to learn about the the wider Watford family. We've had interviews (laughs) with uh, Dougie Brimson. Uh, we've done one with uh, Mike Calvin, both those authors, uh, with with links to Watford, uh, as well as chatting to. Uh, we spoke to Kevin Affleck. We spoke to we spoke to Kevin Affleck as we done this podcast uh, at the beginning of the season. So it, they're they're coming out. You can subscribe to us via iTunes. Uh, if you search for from the Rookery End, you can find us on there and subscribe, and you'll get them sent to you automatically. You won't have to worry; they'll good, be cause, there. Because someone said he couldn't keep up earlier on Twitter. Yeah, so yeah. if you subscribe, they just pop into your iTunes feed. You don't have to worry. You will wake up one morning, and there will be in your ear holes. Uh, if you have a, uh, an Android phone, it is slightly more tricky for you, but. Apparently there's there's news coming, and that might be a bit easier for you in the future. If you have got an Android phone, tweet us, and uh, John, the uh, magician, will explain exactly how to do it. We're here to help. Yeah. Uh, we've got some games coming up. They're going to be fun, because it's fun being a Watford fan. Come on, you all!